five must-hear trends in media and marketing. And CMOs, they say the darndest things. This is episode 30, same as your age, Tom. That's right. Of of Media Unplugged, (laughs) the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm 30-year-old Tom A. Sacker. Yes, 30-year-old Tom. Your voice is a little (laughs) higher at 30, I know. I know. (laughs) Tom, we got a couple great topics this week, starting with five must-hear trends in media and marketing. This is from Media Village. Now, it's worth noting that Media Village is also a place that hosts uh, our podcast, among other destinations. And this piece is written by Jack Myers, who runs the place. And in no way is this my effort, Tom, to try and encourage or incite Jack to listen to our podcast because... As you know, he's far too busy to take out 25 minutes of his time to listen to this That's podcast, true. which focuses entirely on his content. Yeah, Would you agree? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I'll, I'll try not to be my snarky self so that we can <laughs> stay on his website or wherever he's publishing this. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So five future-looking trends in media and marketing. This was really thoughtful, I think. There were a couple of trends I wanted to focus on. The first one was agency and media realignment and reinvention. By the way, there are a lot of you know, $10 words in this. So I want to try and cut through it a little bit. Here was one of the points that I thought was really interesting. Uh, he references John Wanamaker. John Wanamaker. John Wanamaker. That's a tough one, isn't it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, when we can get his name out, he's that uh, retailer who um, many years ago... Said 50% coined... of the people can pronounce my name and the other half can't. <laughs> <laughs> coined the phrase... Half of my marketing dollars are wasted. I just don't know which half. I think he was talking about advertising specifically at that point. So here's what Jack writes. Reimagining John Wanamaker. Has he been misquoted all these years? Many modern marketers are saying behind closed doors, quote, only half or less of my advertising works. And there may be bot fraud and lack of viewability. But hey, as long as it works, uh, it works in as long as it's more cost efficient than last year. For the same metrics and awareness, I don't care if I know which half works. As a matter of fact, I don't care if only 30% works if I'm paying 75% less for the 30% that works. Now, Tom, this struck me as I read this as kind of really telling because what it essentially says is I don't care about impact. I don't care about targeting. I don't care about how well any of this stuff works. Bring on more volume. Bring on more choice. Bring on limitless inventory. All I care about is lower cost. Yeah, and it's a catch-22, isn't it? Because the the more people think like that and the lower the costs get, the more flooded we are with media messages and marketing messages and the less impact it will have because the more noise there is, the less we can actually hear a sound in all of that noise. Right. So in other words, if my th- if I if I don't if if I don't care if only 30% works if I'm paying 75% less for the 30% that works. Well, that 30% is going to go to 20. But as long as I'm paying 80% less, it's okay, right? Which goes to 10, which goes to 5. So before you know it, we're paying almost nothing for almost nothing and everyone presumably is happy. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the consumer who's exposed <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, the person that we care about the most. That, this whole idea of being able, you know, this a- algorithm-based decision-making and, and mm-hmm. awareness as the primary measure of marketing success, mm. those two things, this growing ability to track and measure everything, 
it's going to create some truly poor unintended consequences. It's going to distance marketers from the real people in real situations that they're in business mm -hmm. to serve and to improve. They're going to lose the critical sense of empathy and, and collaboration that fuels creativity because they're going to think that they know what's happening because they have this data in front of them telling them what's happening. It, it, this is a... Um, it's like hypnosis. It's going to put people to sleep. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. <laughs> and unfortunately, the consumers will be the ones most asleep of all, uh, while the rest of us think we're doing our jobs right. at, at greater efficiency uh, with uh, more choices. And it, it just seems like a downward spiral to me as I read that. Uh, here's another point. Strategic ideas and creativity gain increased prominence. I thought you'd like this one. With marketers focus on partnering with media brands and addressable targeting to implement below-the-line marketing objectives such as uh, shopper marketing, consumer sales promotion, trade promotion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Strategic ideas and creativity gain increased prominence. I guess my only question is, how does that reconcile with the previous point? <laughs> well, right? Yeah, it, it sounds like what he's saying there is, while we're out spreading all these messages around, let's try to focus and find the right media properties to speak to the people that may in fact actually be interested in the messages that we're trying to spread around. So at least we'll be overwhelming people with relevant messages as opposed so to irrelevant words, ones. Do you know what I mean? So the, in other words, the media brands that matter more will matter still more and everyone else will matter less and it'll just be a matter of efficiency. Well, the media brands that don't appeal to specific market demographics and psychographics, interests, people's interests, mm -hmm. those are the ones that are in trouble. He makes that point as well. In the next one down, below-the-line marketing budgets will drive investments in premium branded media content, which will often be defined based on socially active brand purchase influencers. So, you know, there you go, premium branded media content. And his follow-up point, it will become increasingly difficult to differentiate among sincere brand advocates, paid brand advocates, and corporate-funded brand advocacy this won't necessarily be as bad as it seems. Now, as I read that, um, uh, what I take from that is authenticity, schmauthenticity. <laughs> Are you stealing from me? That's my rant later. <laughs> Great. But, but go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's really all about, you know, is there value there or not? Is it relevant or not? And in terms of its genuineness, all of that is, uh, is less relevant, is, is less, of, less pointed. Well, we somehow are convincing ourselves that the most important thing in, in marketing today is to get our message heard. That is mm -hmm. it. That's the extent mm -hmm. of it. And unfortunately, things like Donald Trump having good poll numbers is reinforcing that, that image that that's what you need. But you're going to mm -hmm. see that that's not all that you need as, this, as this, you know, the elections <laughs> play out. And if you look in the marketplace, that's not actually how people make decisions. Yes, they have to be aware of something, but pounding these messages into people's heads are not what get them to change what their behaviors. Well, and you're getting now also to the point of metrics, because if the metrics we're measuring are reach metrics, you know, frequency metrics, if we're looking for sheer attention, you know, you can, you can, your measure will reinforce the behavior that the measure is designed to measure, right? That's right. 
That's exactly That's right. That's an interesting point. Um, in a second part of this Media Village thing, uh, Jack goes on to talk about his second point, reinventing content. And he has a couple things in here I just want to touch on. Multiple news media will integrate their news collection and publishing around a collaborative content aggregation service. The focus of independent full news, uh, full service news providers will shift to long tail content development, social media, native content, and branded journalism. There's a lot packed in there. Yeah, translate but that again, for me. <laughs> I want to read that first sentence one more time. Multiple news media will integrate their news collection and publishing around a collaborative content aggregation service. Now, what does that mean? I, They're going to post their articles on Facebook. I mean, that's I, exactly I, what it means. <laughs> that's where I was going. <laughs> That's exactly where. What other collaborative content aggregation service do you know, Tom? Can you think of any that any that are popular? Uh, no, not really. No, not really. It's Facebook. Uh, a couple other interesting points. <laughs> Branded journalism and native content will gain value, but only when the media brand has equity value to the marketer. Which it goes to your previous point, right. which is. Yeah, branded journalism, native content, all of this stuff where, where essentially brands partner with their advertisers in the pursuit of journalistic excellence, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, but really, they're providing uh, – this is the only way to monetize their, uh, their business going forward, at least at present, when the media brand is equity value to the marketer. In other words, when it's, as you say, reaching the right people – when it has the right image, when it, uh, it has the right metrics, right? Exactly. I mean, if there's, if there's, there has to be a transference now between the media property and, and the messages they send and the trust that the consumer is, is right. intuiting from that, from that media property. Because if that trust is not there anymore, then the trust is not going to be conveyed regarding the advertising. You know? and, and, and like he writes in there, a lot of this advertising is going to be quote-unquote native Right, right. Which means it's it's kind of disguised as content. Right. So if we don't trust that brand, why are we going to trust that native advertising? That's right, and that relates to uh, a rant I have coming up as well. Here's another one. Marketers, I, I think you'll like this one. Marketers will focus on their their messaging and storytelling on storytelling and narratives yeah. that can be delivered in creatively relevant content. Advertising based on a story well told will reemerge as a marketing priority. Now, I figure this will cut both ways with you, so lay it on me. <laughs> well, look, this whole idea that's blowing up about storytelling in business, um, it's a little bit misguided because there's a, there's, listen, there's a difference between story and storytelling. Consumers don't necessarily want to be told stories by all of these brands. Mm -hmm. What they want is to conjure a story in their own mind with themselves as the hero of, the, mm -hmm. of that brand story, of the interaction with the brand, of the value they're going to receive with the brand. So you know what? Yeah, sometimes a story can help. If I'm a salesperson, I'm talking to somebody, I'm going to tell a story to pull them in and engage them. But it's not the panacea that everyone's making it out to be. So in other words, when General Electric, much lauded for its content marketing efforts, creates a, uh, a content piece that's a story about their new jet engine, <laughs> yeah. that's not the kind of storytelling you're describing. Look, I, I don't know. If, if I sit and watch that story about their jet engine, and I'm somebody that's responsible for the decision-making about who we get our jet engines from as an airplane manufacturer, 
that story could have some influence on me, but it is not going to move me to pick mm -hmm. that gen engine. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to do it because, I mean, think about it. This is B2B. There's going to be, there are going to be dozens of people involved in, in, this, in this transaction. And what happens if when everybody's it, telling a story about their jet engines? Well, and that's where we're headed, though. That's exactly where we're headed. When I went to the uh, storytelling seminar that I, I've uh, talked with you about before, one of the themes there uh, that McKee shared was, look, you, the brand, are not the hero of your story. And, if he, and he showed a video of a, a brand, I don't remember what it was, but it was this kind of great boastful video about we did this and we're great about this and this is how we're heroic and this is what's great about what we do and this. And he said, "What is if it's all boastful, it's not a story. Stories have ups, downs, ins, outs, wins, losses, victories, defeats, um, challenges, struggles, overcoming struggles. Otherwise, it's just a boastful video. Yep. And it means nothing. And uh, that's uh, to say nothing of the fact that in that particular story, the hero was clearly either the CEO or the brand, not you, the consumer, whoever you might be. Yeah, see, the decision maker needs to see himself as the hero. That's why he was going to decide on that particular brand, to help make him the hero. And, mm -hmm. and, and people have this backwards. You are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Tom, CMOs, they say the darndest things, yeah, don't, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Again, from uh, Media Village, just coincidentally, the 31 best things CMOs said at the ANA conference. What is the ANA conference? Association of National Advertisers. <laughs> Are you guessing? No. no I've spoken <laughs> okay. at that conference before. Okay. I should have <laughs> known that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is a... A really peculiar uh, aggregation of uh, pithy uh, 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 one-liners, <laughs> missives. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah one-liners, and I, some of these I, I really like. Some of these I just think are awful. For the most part, I think they're awful. But you know, let's go through some, and I'm interested in your take on oh, these. Oh, come on! I don't want to get in trouble with all these big CMOs. <laughs> all right. Well, then I'll. All I'll, right. I'll fine. I'll toss in the, a little bit. The dirty, the dirty work. <laughs> Um, here's one I like. The most dangerous words in marketing. We've always done it this way from Bradley Jakeman at Pepsi. Yeah. Right on, Bradley, right? E exactly. So let's put <laughs> Pepsi in a different color bottle, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> When's that going to happen? No, but my point is different is in the eyes of the consumer, not in the eyes of the brand. Right? So uh, that's not that's really different. That's a good point. Um, so different in the eyes of the consumer in the context of Pepsi would be like what? That's a very good question. I think that's what they're struggling <laughs> with themselves. <laughs> if I come upon any of your clients, just opt out. Okay, okay? I'll opt out. <laughs> um, here's another one. This one I didn't like so much. You only get one chance to be out front. Platforms get saturated. People move on. Linda Boff, General Electric. Yeah, I don't know what that means. No, you don't. You don't get one chance to be. What does that even mean? I, I, I don't know what that means. You know, Here's another. You try to read into the perspective. You know, what, what is she trying to say? Maybe she's sending a message out there to the people who are working on her new platform saying, you better get this right. <laughs> well, it would be more interesting if she actually said that rather than what she said here. From Robert Lynch of Arby's. I don't think advertising is dead. I think it's craving courage. I love that. <laughs> what kind of courage? <laughs> Well, you mean the courage reflected in Arby's advertising? That courage? 
<laughs> Listen, is that I what we're talking what, about? I know what he's saying. I, I mean, a lot of a lot of brand managers and and you know marketing people when the when the creatives come to them with concepts, they get scared and they water it down. You know, they take out the emotional component of it and they try to make it this rational pitch. So, but that's the CMO's fault, not the not the agency's fault, right? Yeah, I think I think he's speaking to the other CMOs in the room, frankly. <laughs> well, I looked at some of the advertising for Arby's, and uh, he better inspect his own house before he starts, you know, putting using, doing the white glove test on other people's. Uh, more from Linda Boff at GE. Content is content. We fall in love with great storytelling. Oh, here we go. Content is content, Tom. Yeah, well, as opposed <laughs> to what? I mean, I, I don't know. And again, we don't fall in love with great storytelling unless we're reading a novel. What we fall in love with is the idea that having this brand in our life can really improve our life, our jobs, our work, our social standing, the problems mm -hmm. that we deal with daily. This whole idea that we're sitting around starving for stories to tell ourselves or to read is crazy. That's what the television is for today. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. And I think that somehow people evolve from, you know, interruptive ads to the idea that we need to tell great stories, but the but implicit in that is great stories about our brands with us as the heroes. That's what's implicit in it. And your point is that's not the story I'm interested in watching, hearing, seeing at all as a consumer. Not right? when it comes to brands, no, because the stories that turn me on the people on HBO and you know at Netflix, those are the, they're competing for my attention for those kind of stories. Listen, when you know a character on The Walking Dead that everyone has some affection for after five or six years is uh, is killed, as happened last week. Um, I mean, I, it's gut wrenching. It took me days to watch that. Oh, I know. No, it's true. It's absolutely true. But, you know, we and and there's a transference. You know, we, we, we somehow start internalizing the stories that we really love. That's why if one of these characters who we know is not real, but we suspend disbelief and we get into their, mm -hmm. into their character, if they drive a particular car, all of a sudden we start thinking we'd like to drive that car. <laughs> you know, Be, it, because, because that, that, that motivation is hidden from us. But mm -hmm. if we watched a story about a car, it doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Here's another one. I'm sick, of ti sick and tired as a client of sitting in agency meetings with a whole bunch of white, straight males talking to me about how we're going to sell our brands that are bought 85% by women. Well, That's Bradley choice, Jake what kind Pepsi. of meetings he sits in. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, I'm confused about the use of the term straight. I'm not sure. What is it about being straight that's at issue well, I here? Think, is it about I, I think he's implying, and I'm not saying this, so, so nobody email me. <laughs> but maybe he's saying that gay males have a more feminine perspective on the world. Well, again, <laughs> if he came out and said that, He'd be that would be a much more that. interesting <laughs> pithy quote, wouldn't it? Uh, here's one I agree with, again, from the same fellow who obviously runs hot and cold with me. There's no such thing as digital marketing. There's just marketing. We live in a digital culture. Ah, okay. Why don't you call them up and see if they have a digital marketing department? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> well, I can tell Pepsi's not your client, Tom. No, they're not. <laughs> Here's one last I got to read because this one's one of my favorites. All the science of marketing is useless if you don't have a truly authentic brand. Uh-oh. Again, with the authenticity. This is from Denise Carcos from TD Ameritrade. By the way, Tom, do you know what the TD in TD Ameritrade originally stand for? I, <laughs> I can't even come up with anything funny. <laughs> Toronto Dominion. Okay. That from the person who said all the science of marketing is useless if you don't have a truly authentic brand. TD Ameritrade. I love that. that Isn't is, that awesome? That's pretty funny, really. <laughs> I'll leave out the last one from Calvin, from uh, Melissa Goldie at Calvin Klein. Hiring Justin Bieber was the most difficult decision I made in 15 years on the brand, which tells you that it must be really hard being CMO of Calvin Klein. Yes, I that agree. Truly. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that either. <laughs> all right, Tom, it's time for Rants and Raves. Well, you started it with all this authenticity and storytelling and everything else out there. Now, we've joked about this on past episodes, this growing trend of, uh, I promised I'd never say it again, but this artisanal product. Oh, I can't believe it. Right? I'm, <laughs> listen, listen. I, you, I'm going to go back to the wax museum I, if you're going to hit me with artisanal well, listen, again. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm going to say is you have been right all along. It appears <laughs> that authenticity in marketing has finally jumped the shark. According to strategists from the Future Laboratory, the marketing of authenticity has reached a breaking point. There's so much talk of it <laughs> that it's not unique. Listen, in fact, it's so overused, it now suggests dishonesty to consumers. <laughs> And, and, and in the article, it's, they also, and this was in Luxury Daily, it also says that the same applies to, to buzzwords like innovative and bespoke. And it says even all natural and organic oh. are seen by half of consumers as simply an excuse to charge more money. Now, I want to tell you what I think is funny. <laughs> so I looked at this and I said, now, wait a minute. I wrote an article more than eight years ago, debunking mm -hmm. this whole idea of authenticity. And in fact, it was called authenticity, schmauthenticity. <laughs> I'm going to read what I wrote that? in the conclusion of and this. And I thought I made that up. No, nope. I'm going to read what I wrote in a conclusion for you. I wrote, be authentic is a hollow cry. It mm -hmm. smells of the marketing puffery we chide. Instead, Follow the lead of brand auteurs like Apple Steve Jobs. <laughs> what kind of prediction was that? Ronald Shake of Panera Bread. Oh, another one. Brennan Page of Google. Yeah, I predicted that too. Disney's Robert Iger. Okay, four for four. Dream big. Stay tuned into the changing marketplace. Always be in beta. Have a fanatical mm. attention to detail. Put your people at the heart of the brand, making sure that everyone understands his or her role in making the brand the star, and always, always put on a great show. What's going on here, Mark, is that there's this old saying, if you want people to think you're funny, don't tell them you're funny. Mm -hmm. Tell them a joke. Mm -hmm. All this authenticity stuff is not making people think you're authentic. Be authentic. That's awesome. Don't tell them you're authentic. That's awesome. I was going to ask you as a result of that article, so if that's true, then what do we do? And you just spelled it out in that uh, paragraph you read. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, stop talking so much. 
Start mm -hmm. doing things that demonstrate who you are. But see, marketers, they think their job is to talk. And, and that's mm -hmm. where they've, they've got to flip this whole idea on its head and say, no, 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 that's not, our, that's not our job. Our job is to create interactions with people so that we can prove to them what we're really in this for. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's great. That's great. What a great, uh, that's the word. I hope Jack's still listening. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got, uh, I've got right. a... Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, every time you get ready to rant or whatever you do, I start worrying a little bit. <laughs> well, this one's not so bad. This is a rant. And then I've got an awesome little mini rave. Um, the, this is from The Wrap. Uh, and the article is titled, Fandango, you know, the, movie, the site that allows you to buy movie tickets yep. online. Fandango blames inflated movie scores on computer glitch. <laughs> a sizable number of movies, Tom, have received higher than deserved ratings on the online movie ticket broker Fandango, but the NBC Universal owned site, did I say NBC Universal owned? Go ahead, I'm waiting to see what Is which blaming movies. a computer. They're blaming a computer glitch, Tom, because you see, algebra, Tom, is hard for NBC Universal. Math for NBC Universal is hard. So they discovered a bug. This was actually reported by uh, the website 538 that pointed out that Fandango's aggregate scores are consistently higher than those of other movie sites and rarely give any movie less than three stars because, as you know, Tom, every movie, like every child, <laughs> is above average. <laughs> Fandango's star rating was higher than the IMDb rating 79% of the time. The Metacritic aggregate critic score, 77% of the time. The Metacritic user score, 86% of the time. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score, 62% of the time. And the Rotten Tomato user score, 74% of the time. Fandango, of course, denied any suggestion that it deliberately inflates movie ratings in order to boost ticket sales on the site. <laughs> <laughs> because what would that... Why would one thing lead to another necessarily? Right. One reason that ratings on the site could be higher than those of its rivals. A good number of the site's visitors are enthusiastic advanced ticket buyers and perhaps more likely to be very positive about their purchase or potential buy. In other words, Tom, the people who go to Fandango, uh, Fandango argues, are rating the idea of the movie, <laughs> not the actual movie. Oh, that, I've had people do that with my books. <laughs> they never read the book. They just said, well, I hate the idea of this guy's book. And I don't... I've heard about that. You've told me about that in the past. <laughs> I, I find you. that it's horrifying. And it, so again, not the the irony is that that shouldn't be any less true of these other destinations. IMDb, uh, Metacritic, all this other stuff. All these guys have the same kind of propensity. Rotten Tomatoes, same thing. The same propensity to boost the ratings because they're more interested in the movie. So this is a lot of hooey. And I don't trust Fandango is the point of my And you rant. know what? That, that is going to do nothing but spread through the population. And what's going to happen is the same thing that happens to me when I go out and read any kind of Amazon review. I don't even look at the five stars or the one stars. Mm -hmm. I go to the three stars and look for the one that has the most people commenting saying thank you for an honest review. <laughs> ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, finally, I want to close with a quotation. This is my rave. <laughs> I found this pithy quote this re week from the great, late, legendary auteur, actor, filmmaker Orson Welles. Never touch shit. 
even with gloves on. The gloves only get shittier, but the shit never gets glovier. <laughs> what the hell is that? Is that true? <laughs> That's Orson Welles. Do you know what a consultant once told me years ago? No, let's hear it. I'm not, I was working for uh, a big brand, and there was a, I had a problem with this one particular employee, team member, if you want. And uh, I was talking to this consultant about how, you know, listen, we've got to change this person. You know, we've got to get them to think this way and to do this. And he looked at me and, he, and he, I, I, he just, with the strangest look, like I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And then he said, Tom, let me make this straight to you. He said, never try to turn a frog into a peacock by shoving a feather up his ass. He said, the only thing you're going to do is hurt the frog and you're going to get shit all over your hand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he came from the or Orson Welles school. Uh, I so, think so. Yeah. That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It does help other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Village, at least for now, and Net News Check. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our fantabulous but lean and mean website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the uber producer of Media Unplugged, the amazing Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at Jeff-Schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.